This is key that we have a relationship with God, that we know that in our time of prayer and as we seek God for what are you doing here, Lord God, because I want to do what you're doing. Oh, okay, so I'm going to get the blueprint from God and then I'm going to speak out what needs to be spoken because that's where the change happens. What is the prayer of faith? The Bible tells us that we are actually to command the, the sickness to go. Jesus taught us. He gave us an example, uh, many examples, and, and how to pray for the sick with the prayer of faith. What is the prayer of faith? Only when we allow Holy Spirit to speak his truth, then the light of the gospel enters in. So when we listen to the word of God, which is the light of Christ, we're allowing his truth to come in and to show us the way to go, the truth, the way to go. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 130, that it's the entrance of your words that bring light. They bring understanding to the simple. It's the entrance of God's word. So today we're going to be in both the Old Testament and the New Testament because I want to talk to you about the prayer of faith. So I'm sure many of you have heard in James when it talks about the prayer of faith. So we're going to get there in a moment. Now, all throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament, you know, New Testament, we read different accounts of how Jesus healed, you know, the sick. We, we, how God is the healer, Jehovah Rapha, how he sent his son, how he sent his son here to earth, walking up upon this earth. He is the word, the living word made flesh. He is the healer. Amen. And we saw that being displayed here today, how many people received their healing tonight, right? And many of you that receive the partial healing know that when we pray for healing, it is done based on the word of God. It is done. It's already been done. And we're going to get there in a moment based on Isaiah. It's already done, but in faith, you're going to believe it and you're going to receive it. And many of you actually also saw the tangible manifestation of your healing tonight. Amen. So all throughout the Bible, Jesus taught how to heal the sick by issuing a command, by decreeing it, and by and coming into alignment with what the Word of God already spoke. And he also taught this to the disciples. So the disciples all did the same. They also walked in the way that Jesus taught them. But in James chapter 5, we read, the prayer of faith will save the sick. What was James referring to? How is he suggesting for us to pray? Because the word pray, prayer, or prayed is listed seven times in this portion of scripture in James 5, in verses 13 through 18. It's, list, it's listed, the word prayer is listed seven times. So are we to ask Jesus to heal when the word clearly states that by his stripes we are already healed. So are we to beg Jesus to do what he's actually already completed for us? What he's done for us at the cross? No, we're not. Let's go over to Isaiah 53 and in verses 4 and 5. Let's go to Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. I know that we don't have the overhead 
you know, the scriptures overhead. But you know what? It's a, it's, it's an opportunity for all of you to get your Bibles out. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Or open up your phones if you don't have your Bibles with you. So, all right. So Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And it says in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. Now I want to read to you that same portion of scripture, same two verses, but I want to define some of the words that are spoken of here. And I want you to you know, either write them in your Bible or start to meditate on this passage of scripture because you're going to see that Jesus didn't just die for our, for our sins to be forgiven, but also for our salvation and for deliverance. So surely he has borne, which means he carried our griefs. That word carried is our sicknesses and diseases. So he carried our griefs. He carried our sicknesses he carried our diseases. We have to know what the will of God is. When we know the word of God, we know the will of God, right? So it says here that surely he has borne or he carried our griefs, which means our sicknesses and our diseases. And he carried our sorrow, which is physical and mental pain. He carried our sorrow. If Jesus carried your sorrow, which is your physical and your mental pain, therefore we should not have to, correct? You know what? You know why this is so important that you get? You, we get this. We really truly get this in our spirit, man, because the enemy will always try to put sickness on you in an area that you don't know your right. You don't know, you don't know your, your rights. Like you don't know your, you don't know what the Bible has already done for us. If you don't know truly what God has already done for you, then you will allow the enemy to put something on you that is actually illegal. It's illegal. He cannot put sickness on you unless you let him. And so we've got to get the understanding here and get the word of God, know the word of God, and let this word be our plumb line. So it says he was wounded, verse 5. He was wounded, which means he was pierced, for our transgressions, our sins, and our rebellion. Right there, the transgressions is the sins and the rebellion. But he was bruised, which means he was crushed, for our iniquities, for our guilt. The chastisement, which is the correction or the discipline, for our peace, that word peace, is our shalom peace. It means complete soundness, soundness of in every way, complete health and well-being. So the chastisement, the correction, for our peace, that shalom peace, was upon him. The punishment for us to be whole was already laid upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So by his wounds, we are healed. Jehovah Rapha. That's what that word healed means, right? 100%. Most of us already know that. We have gone over that scripture already. I think you guys know this, this scripture and how to define this word. Amen. But now we're going to go over to James and in chapter 5 because I see a lot of confusion about what is the prayer of faith. So let's turn your Bibles over to James and in chapter 5. And I'm going to read to you starting in verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. 
The word suffering is afflicted and hardships. If you're afflicted, the enemy comes to afflict. But if you're, if you're afflicted, if you're suffering a hardship, the Bible tells us to pray right? And we know in Philippians, and I'm just going to tell you this, you can write it down. We're not going to turn there, but in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything and by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you're going to make your requests be, be made known to God, right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, right? So it says here, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Is anyone suffering? If you're suffering, suffering is afflicted and with hardships. It's not talking about sickness in the body. It's talking about an affliction or a hardship. And then let's go on. It says, if, let's see, let me go back up, uh, verse, end of 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is any one of you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The Bible talks about anointing with oil. The elders were, you know, were all to pray for the sick. Every believer should be able to pray for the sick, cast out demons. This is what the will of God is. Mark 16 talks about this, right? So, but is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Let him pray over him. What kind of prayer is this? Let him pray over him. I want you to be asking these questions. And it is my desire that you're gonna, they're going to be all answered before this night is over. Let's go to verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The prayer of faith. Again, what is the prayer of faith? It says the prayer of faith is going to save the sick. We already know many, many times Jesus, how he, how he prayed for the sick. He issued commands. He said, little girl, arise. He, he cursed and cast out a spirit of affliction, um, a deaf and dumb spirit. He cast it out. He told the, the storms, right, to be still. He stilled the storms, stilled the waves. We know the example. If Jesus was going to tell us to pray to the Father to do that, then he would have used that as his own example because we are to follow after Christ. Are we all following? Okay. So verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Save. It didn't even say heal. It said save. Save the sick. Save means to be made well, to be healed, to be physically restored. That word saved, to be totally and completely restored. And it says, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another. See, all of this is good. Confess your sins to one another, to pray for one another. This is all good. But what is the prayer of faith? It says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray that you may be healed. And then it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much? 
What is the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man that's going to avail much? The key in this whole passage as to how to pray the prayer of faith for the sick is found in the comparison in the very next two verses. It talks about Elijah. That's who the prayer of the effective, you know, effective prayer of righteousness is. But then the next two verses in verses 17 and 18, there's a comparison with Elijah, right? Let me read it first and then we'll, it says, Elijah, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Verse 18, again, he prayed and again, the heavens gave rain and the earth produced fruit. So it's telling us that Elijah would pray and what he prayed came to pass. But it's still not telling us what is the prayer of faith. How did he pray? Because we know in this passage it's saying the prayer of faith, that it is the, you know, the, the prayer of a righteous man is the effective, fervent prayer. Are you guys all wondering? Okay. So we know that Jesus modeled perfect prayer. He modeled it for us. And he all, like I already said, he said, little girl, rise. He, he spoke to situations, right? You know, he, he commanded Lazarus to come out of the grave. You know, he commanded the grave clothes to come off. The model is already set. It's already set. So I believe that since this passage is comparing to Elijah, we probably should go over to the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. And let's see just how did this man pray? Because clearly there's a, there's a key in how he prayed and how we're supposed to pray. Because all throughout scripture, we're told in praying for the sick that we're supposed to command that thing to be healed. We're supposed to command that devil to go. We're supposed to lay our hands and know that God has already done it. And through faith, uh, through faith in the fact that God is the healer, that he is going to heal that sick person, right? In faith, we believe and we see, right? So prayer of faith, prayer of faith. Does that mean if I have, does that, does that mean that, um, you know, it's like I, if there's any doubt at all, that there's absolutely not going to be anybody healed. Is that the prayer of faith? Uh, what is the prayer of faith? Has anybody ever asked themselves that question? Or do you just go in automatic pilot mode and think, well, it's the prayer of faith. So if I have faith, it's done. Yes, if you have faith, it's done. But how many times do you have 100% faith and it's not done? Maybe the model, maybe there's something wrong in how we are praying. So let's look in 1 Kings, and it's in 1 Kings 17, because Elijah prayed a certain way and that was the way that actually brought forth you know the victory right all right so let me let me get to uh first kings yeah first Kings 17 and it's verse one how did elijah pray it says and in verse one of first Kings 17 and elijah the tishbite of the inhabitants of gilead said to ahab as the lord god of israel lives before whom i stand there shall not be dew nor rain these three years except at my word. How did Elijah pray? Did he ask God to do something for him that he already put in him to do? Hmm, I think so. I'm going to read it again because I don't know if you all got it. Let's read it again. And Elijah the Tishbite. He says, uh, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives... He said to Ahab, 
He said something. He didn't ask the father to do it. He said something. He spoke what was to come about. He said, there shall not be. Sounds like a command to me. There shall not be any dew nor any rain for these three years except at my word. How many of you guys are familiar with the story? With the story? I'm sure most of you, we've studied it, but I'm sure most of you are. So we know that the very thing that this man spoke is the very thing that came to pass. Right? The very thing that he spoke is the very thing that came to pass. So he didn't say, Lord, please don't let there be any rain. Lord, please don't let there be. He didn't, uh, he declared that it wouldn't be any, any rain. He declared that there wouldn't be any rain. He didn't beg God to do something that God said, I've given you authority over. Amen. He didn't beg God. He didn't worry about how's this going to work out because he knew the authority was in him. It's called delegated authority. It's called the authority that God has given us in his word. Because the Bible is very clear that we will trample upon snakes and scorpions and over all the works of darkness and that there shall be nothing that shall harm you. Nothing. But we have to get the understanding of our authority that needs to walk in this way so that you are truly going to trample upon those snakes and scorpions and you're going to open up your mouth and you're going to issue the decree, issue the command. Remember, you are an ambassador for Christ. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, says, I want you to speak it out. As you speak it out, you're going to see things happening all throughout your life that in the past maybe didn't happen because you were expecting God to do something that he said it's up to you now to do. Right? So look at this. He said, there's not going to be any dew. There's not going to be any rain, but there's also not going to be any dew for three and a half years. And for three and a half years, there was a drought. The exact words that was spoken out of this man came to pass because life and death and life are in the power of the tongue and we are going to eat its fruit. That's what the word says. We're going to eat the fruit of what we speak. In other words, it's going to come to pass. What we speak is going to come to pass. So we must get our words in alignment to what the word of God already says because we want to eat the good fruit. We want to eat the fruit that God says is for you to eat the fullness of God's manifestation here on earth. But it didn't stop there didn't stop there at all because we know that exactly right after the three and a half years turn to first Kings 18 because once the drought season was over of what he prophesied he prophesied this he spoke it out once that was over he then needed he needed it to go and speak it so that it would end do you guys know how much authority God has given us these are these are examples for us to walk in okay so let's look at first kings 18 but this time we're going to be in verse 41 verse 41 then elijah said to ahab now remember this is the three and a half years are over he said go up and eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain elijah heard a sound of abundance of rain. Did he hear that sound with, his, with an audible ear? Did he hear? Maybe, maybe not. Did he hear it in the inner places in his heart? Probably. But I do know this one thing, that Elijah had a relationship with Almighty God. Elijah was a praying man. Elijah knew the heart of God. This is key. 
that we have a relationship with God, that we know that in our time of prayer and as we seek God for what are you doing here, Lord God, because I want to do what you're doing. Oh, okay, so I'm going to get the blueprint from God and then I'm going to speak out what needs to be spoken because that's where the change happens. So he was a praying man. We know that. We must pray. I already read to you Philippians. We must always pray, right? But... There's something about not just assuming somebody else, even, even the Lord, is going to do what we're supposed to do. Come on, you got to put boots on the ground. You got to suit up. And you've got to know your weapons in warfare. Right? So let me, let me finish to read what he said because Elijah said, go, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. He prophesied that. He spoke something out into existence. He knew by the matter of faith, because he was a praying man, that I'm going to speak it, God's going to have it come to pass. What does the word say? That you're going to decree a thing, and it shall come to pass. So that light shines upon your way. shall be established. So Ahab went up, and he ate and drank, and Elijah went up to the top of, of, of Carmel, and then he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. And I love that because it shows you the posture of this man of God that was always praying. He knew the strength didn't come from him in him, himself, but it came from God in him. So yes, we pray, absolutely. But we don't pray, God, please do this thing when God says, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. You seek me. We're in relationship. I'll tell you when to go, what to do, but you need to open your mouth and speak forth the command. Amen. Right? Okay, let's finish. Remember, we're trying to identify what is the prayer of faith. And in James, he uses Elijah. And he says that Elijah prayed. How did Elijah pray? He prayed in his private time. But the commands that he spoke were commands. The commands that he spoke was how he prayed. The commands that he spoke was actually how he caused life to come where there would have been death, to cause rain to stop and, and the, you know, to cause a drought to happen and then to cause the rains to come again, right? I mean, these are, like, these are things people go, well, you can't command the weather. Yes, you can. If you walk in unbelief, then you can't command the weather. You're right. You're right, if you walk in unbelief. And if you walk in limited faith, there's been plenty times that there was a need for that rain cloud to disappear. Plenty of times. I just spoke to it and say, out in Jesus' name. It literally left. I don't care what the news says. You have authority. My husband's laughing because he knows it's true. This is exactly how we are to walk strength in Christ. This is a big deal because people will say, oh, prayer of faith, prayer of faith, and they have no idea what they're even talking about. They didn't know. Did you know before? The, the prayer of faith is when you realize 
I get my instructions from the Word of God. The Word of God has already told me that we are to issue that command, that we are to speak life where there is death, that the commands that we speak, there is no reason. Today I woke up and my foot started to hurt. I'm like, oh, no, you don't, devil. I put my hands on my feet, and I commanded that pain to go, and it left. It tried to come back a couple minutes later. I said, are you kidding me right now? Out in Jesus' name. And, of course, it was healed. But if I would just, I would just accept that, then you know what? the enemy comes and he'll just go ahead and just give you more pain and give you more pain and give you more problems and give you more robbery give you more thievery but we are to say no you don't if the day that we rise up as a church and recognize our authority in Christ that day is coming I mean corporately I mean collectively I mean when I see that yes in your eyes when I see that spark when I see that revelation that's what I'm believing for that's what I'm believing for that every single person going to get that revelation and it is a revelation the enemy does try to block you from understanding the truth of what faith is we have faith in the word of God we have faith that it's already done the Bible says that we are to speak to things that are not as though they were you have to speak to the things that are not as though they already are not hopefully they'll be someday right Oh, so good. I'm going to just thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That is so good. See, your faith is going to make you well. Your faith, the faith in God, the faith that you believe God, you said it. And if you said it, it is done. It is done 100%. Hallelujah. So he says, you know, let me finish reading. So he puts his head, you know, uh, between his face between his knees, and he says to the servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went, and he looked, and he said, there's nothing. Comes back. Go look again. And he goes, and he checks again, and he says, there's nothing. Comes back. Go look again. And he goes, come back. Nothing. He does this for seven times. He tells a servant, go back and check. Go back and check. Go back and check. Seven times because he knows something. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I'm going to speak out. I know what God is doing. I know it by a matter of faith. I know it because God has revealed it to me. I know because the very essence of who God is is so strong on the inside of me that nothing will be able to change my mind. No demon, no assignment, nothing from the pit. In the name of Jesus, no lie from any man would be able to change what I already know. Is that true for you? Because he had to tell his servant seven times. Go back, go back, go back. Yeah, but I just go back, go back. Finally, after the seventh time, he says, yeah, I see. I see a, a, a fist, but it's about the size of a man's hand, but it's rising up out of that sea. Well, praise God, because the thing that was spoken started to come to pass. The thing that was spoken started to come to pass. Oh.